0: Welcome to Front Row Knowles. As always, a big shout out to Seminole Boosters, longtime supporter of this program. Thank you to those of you who are Seminole Boosters and supporting Florida State Athletics. We are excited for the new year. Annual Fund, Bowden Society, Coaches Club, all almost to goal. So if you haven't stepped up already, I invite you to do so. And, again, thanks to to Seminole Boosters for supporting Front Row Knowles. With that said, and without further ado, here's this week's show.
1: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way.
0: Good day. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, you've had uh, an extra 48 hours or so since we last chatted. Are you calmed down? Is all right with the world? Are you feeling better as we head into midweek against Clemson?
2: Calm down and uh, tracking on what I'm sure most listeners, any
0: fan of Florida State has uh, been
2: reminded of that in, in 2013 in the national championship year, Boston College, you know, was was up on Florida State and they were lucky to win and all the way back in '93, FSU never plays Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. Of Boston College doesn't upset Notre Dame the week after the game of the century. So we'll just track it up and track it up and move forward.
0: Yeah, but that's all you can do. I mean, and I don't want to gloss over these things. There's issues, most of them correctable, and it's incumbent upon them to try and correct them. But I've told this story many times, Keith, and uh, I'll tell it again now. But it was the 2013 Clemson game. The Jameis game is how everybody refers to it, right? But Lamarcus Joyner, fans will recall, was the defensive national, the national defensive player of the week because he was all over the field. And so you think you always get everything right. But when I talked to Jeremy Pruitt the next week, he was furious at Lamarcus Joyner. He was like the lowest graded defensive back that week, maybe the lowest graded defender. He busted all kinds of assignments that game against Clemson. But you know what? Taj Boyd didn't see it. The ball still found LaMarcus instead of finding the open guy. And so it looks like he's the best defensive back in the world. Now, he's a longtime NFL player. Some You could argue some of it's instinct, whatever. But the point is, you don't always get everything right. Now you have to adjust and play this next game.
2: And we have a new phrase. The ball found the mistake. If yeah. the ball never finds the mistake, you don't have a problem. But when the ball finds the mistake, it's glaring.
0: Here's hoping FSU's on offense when the ball finds the mistake several times this week. All right, our our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, joins us right after this. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back. Let's
0: dive right into this and open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Osceola insider this week. Bob Ferrante has all the answers for us. Bob, we're just going to cede the floor to you. Explain everything that went wrong and right against Boston College, and then we'll talk about Clemson.
3: Oh, boy. Everything that went wrong at Boston College, I don't think we have enough minutes within the allotted hour, guys. Um, But it is Clemson week. Happy Clemson week. And one thing I've tried to say to a lot of people is in August – you probably wanted to see Florida State go 4-0. You might have taken 3-1. and Florida State's got a real shot at going 4-0 and, and winning up at Clemson for the first time in a decade. That's it's a pretty cool spot to be in.
0: It's always hard to win up there, and I guess that's a starting point. A 12-noon kick, that's probably as good as Florida State could have hoped for compared to playing a night game under the lights at uh, Death Valley, but it'll still be raucous. It's still a big-time environment. That said, for, for perspective, and even though FSU has not had success there, Bob, two years ago, Florida State had a lead there with three minutes to go in that football game, and that was not a case where you would make the argument that the, the rosters were equally talented. This year, I think you'd probably still say Clemson is a little more talented, but you're at least in the same zip code and pretty comparable. But what, what, what do you expect from Florida State this week from a performance standpoint after that clunker at B.C.?
3: In theory, you you get a team's focus, right? I mean, you're you're able to instruct, maybe even yell a good bit through through a win. I think coaches like that. And and they, they can show, okay, here's here are the mistakes. And I think we can all debate were 10 guys on defense doing the right thing and, and was one wrong? And is it really as simple as correcting things? Are are things correctable? You know, I asked that question on Monday to Adam Fuller how much of the eye issues are correctable, and, and he seems to feel that, that they are. So maybe it's a good thing to have one of your worst games early in the year on the road against an emotional team that that's, you know, thinking about Wells Crowder and, and a little bit of their, their legacy as a program there. Um, I, I think if you're, if you're looking for positives, if you're looking to be an optimist this week going up to Clemson, you maybe are okay with having that type of performance just to wake up everybody and see how the coaches can can make those adjustments. You know, one of the things that has been said, Bob, over the years, and it's still true, I don't care
2: whether you're running three yards in a cloud of dust, whether you're running the triple option or you're running the spread, it is much easier to teach on film from a win than it is to teach on film from a loss. The other thing I'd like your comment on is, uh, we've got a new buzzword now. Maybe it's been around and I haven't paid attention, but, you know, we talk about us, old folks talk about playing with intensity and enthusiasm. Um, The buzzword now for this uh, 23 Florida State team is Coach Norvell said, they did not play with an edge. Well, how do you get the edge against
3: Clemson? Yeah, I, I question
0: Technology, not our friend at the moment, KJ. At least I'm not hearing it here.
2: It did freeze up, yep.
0: Yep, so we'll get back to Bob in a moment. Uh, Keith, one thing, you you talk about this a lot. You know, the, the coaches do what the coaches do, but, but at some point the players are responsible for making sure that their emotions and energy level and everything else are, and focus are where it needs to be. Now, I do think it's easier when you have 80,000 fans most of whom are rooting for the opposition. When you go to Clemson, I mean, I, I wouldn't think those things will be issues this week.
2: I know, and, and again, we go back to we've got to remember that it's not the coaching staff's responsibility to get the kids excited. You know, we all hear about those uh, pregame and halftime talks about how you fire the squad up, and they go out and you know they're they're willing to run through a wall. Uh, the the true enthusiasm, the through edge, the true edge—if that's the word we want to go with comes from your upperclassmen setting the standard and exemplifying that in pregame and early in the ballgame and that's why I make the mention it's easier to teach uh, on tape from a law from a win than it is a loss because specifically you can target those upperclassmen and say this is not the effort that we expect it's your responsibility to do your effort and it's your responsibility to get your teammates to give that effort and you've got a really, really, really good basic training tape that you can put into uh, that uh, projector uh, or whatever they use these days to throw it up on the screen.
0: It's funny. I think Hollywood has turned us all into believing that the halftime speech is one for the ages. You know, it's it's all win one for the gipper. It's the scene from Hoosiers where you got the tape measure and you're measuring how far it is to the free throw line and how high the basket is. I don't think that's what, you know, I don't think Norvell is out there going. I think you'll find that this field is 100 yards long from goal line to goal line, right? It's not that. Really what they preach is what they preach every day. For Norvell, that's about respond. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? I mean, that, that's his mantra. Uh, this week it felt a lot, and this this is no different than previous regimes, but it's, uh, you know, related to the eye violations, Bob. its It's do your job. And we used to hear it doesn't come from a bad place. Somebody's cheating over this way saying, oh, I'm going to help KJ out. But as soon as you help KJ out, you're not doing your job anymore necessarily. Um, I I guess that's the thing maybe that was the most disconcerting about last week, Bob, is it seems like there were a lot of self-inflicted things there that just came from whether it's from a good place or laziness or lack of focus, but the kind of things you can't have if you're going to be buttoned up and compete for a national championship.
3: I think that's just it, and, and the expectations ramped up when Force state does what it did against LSU in Orlando, and, and so the bar is set, and that's a high bar, right? So you look at the mistakes at BC, and I, you know, I even asked how much of that is inexperience with some of the guys on the back end, because with an Akeem Ben out, for example, other um, responsibilities for other guys. I mean, Shaheen Brown's got a ton of experience, but not as much as a Jamie Robinson, or not as much as in past years. The linebackers, after you go from Kalen Deloach, Tatum, Bethune, uh, a lot of younger guys. You're playing an Omar Graham and a Blake Nicholson. When you see coverage busts over the middle, a lot of it is communication. A lot of it's thinking and and trusting that guy next to you, trusting that he's going to do what what he needs to do, and you're going to do exactly what you need to but I, I thought, you know, when Adam Fuller said third and forever on the first answer of Monday's press conference, that spoke a lot of volumes about, man, am I frustrated with how the defense performed. And, and, and they're taking ownership of it. It's not coaches blaming players. Coaches know they needed to have coached better. But, but they saw a lot of breakdowns in that game that I think just maybe made them say, okay, take a step back. How do we correct this? How do we see that kind of response? Like you're saying, that response to adversity. Again, Mike Norvell praising the Sunday night response through film study and practice. But, you know, for fans and media, we're not really going to see that response until on, on the field on Saturday just to see how they truly have reacted. You know, one of the things that's just absolutely drive you crazy about college
2: football is if we were having this conversation at uh, five o'clock on Saturday afternoon and FSU had beaten Clemson 35 to 25, you know, not a, not a, not a woodshed whooping, but they won the game and they scored some points. We'd all be saying, see, Boston college was what we needed. Boston college was exactly what, what was prescribed. The fear is that the kids won't respond to it. And that's always been the fear when you have a poor performance, as we've talked about it, in this game, guys, it's above the shoulders. It's above the shoulders. And time will only tell.
3: I'm with you. I think a lot of it is confidence, preparation. Uh, do you feel good about your responsibilities? And this is a maybe a bad parallel, but you know, I think all of us as fans of media disliked the concept of playing Duquesne to open up that, that season last year, that week zero. But by playing Duquesne, you got an edge to be ready for LSU when you go into New Orleans and you felt confidence and prepared to go there and and, and to win in that type of setting, I, I still think there's just a lot of youth. There's a little bit of uncertainty about everything. Um, we, we we probably felt better about this team coming out of August maybe than we should have. But again, the LSU game elevated things. And this this could be a big moment. Um, For State Boston College back in 2013. That was a big moment for that year's team as far as wow, Boston College really punched them really good early. Needed to have that kind of response. I'm not saying this is a championship team, but if you want a punch early from somebody and you're able to recover, let it be Boston College on the road so that you can then make something of your season from here on out. And you certainly want a punch
2: that you recover from, not a punch that ends up with a loss. <laughs>
0: Hey, Bob, there's how highly we all think of Jordan Travis right now compared to where he started. Because if you look at his numbers, they're really good. He hasn't, aside from the LSU game, he's not putting the ball in harm's way. His quarterback rating is good. He's leading the team. And yet we're all sitting here saying, man, what is wrong with Jordan? So I'll ask it to you that way. Uh, are you in agreement that while he's been pretty good, there's still a lot more there from him? And, and and widening it from Jordan, it really feels to me more like there's a lot that this offense can do that they haven't shown, maybe to keep an edge, uh, or maybe they're not comfortable with it, but it just feels like there's a lot more out there.
3: Yes, there's a ton to unpack here. I think it does start with the run game has to have more of that edge to complement what Jordan does. He tends to distribute the ball very, very well, but then again, we didn't see Keon Coleman all that involved, and, and there were a lot of man coverage looks against Keon. You, you would think he would he would beat that with a lot of single high safeties. Um, I, I think we need to see mismatches. Johnny, Keon, um, Kyle Morlock, Jaheim Bell. Those are mismatch basketball type guys who just have that height and athleticism. Um, I don't tend to worry as much about Jordan, just that maybe Jordan puts a little bit too much on his shoulders at times. We did see, I think against Boston college, he was trying to run a little bit too much, lower his shoulder. You know, that play where he got injured was, was maybe him trying to do a little bit too much. Um, But that's also him wanting to win. That's that, that's, that's, that's a good thing at the same time. I, I think, I don't tend to worry about Jordan. I feel good about the the components around him. I think this offense will, you know, continue to be really efficient. Like they scored what five out of the first six drives of that BC game. And you didn't have the ball all that much early because BC was converting on third down. So I think he's been good, but maybe not sharp as we've seen kind of Jordan Travis in, in, in 2022, at least too.
2: The, the one criticism, the one thing I would say needs to be to the forefront. Tom and I talked about this in our podcast after the game is either intentionally or subconsciously. Jordan is relying too much on the 50-50 ball, whereas last year he would check down, get to the running back, get to the tight end. Because you have Keon, because you have Johnny, and that 50-50 is probably 60-40, 70-30 in your favor, you know, he is putting the ball up and sometimes when he needs to check it down. uh, But that's a very minor criticism.
3: I I can buy that. That's fair. And I think some of the other, I'll say complimentary receivers, and I don't mean that demeaning, you're still trying to get Winston Wright going off that injury. Darion Williamson is a guy who we think can be a guy still trying to get him going. Um, You haven't seen Kentron Poitier yet. What does he bring to this offense? So I, I think it's a really good point. Um, Jordan knows he has talent at receiver, like he hasn't had collectively in past years. Maybe he's over-utilizing that, if you want to critique in that manner. But hey, if, if I'm if I'm a quarterback, I'm, I'm gonna go to that six seven guy. I'm gonna go to that six four guy. It's it's hard not to be seduced by that kind of height. There's no question.
0: I think it's been a mixture of Jordan having confidence, but also Florida state not opening the playbook all the way. And, and there's, there's a lot of looks they haven't put out there yet. And it's that intermediate and seam route and uh, you can call them checkdowns, Keith, but some of them are designed to go that way first, right? Not necessarily. I I think that's all still out there for, for this offense. So what do you expect on Saturday, Bob? I know as we're talking, it's early in the work week for FSU, but, uh, it's a Clemson team that uh, I'm referring to it as Dabo's last stand, right? You know they're going to rally. It's going to be the best bus ride around the stadium and run down the hill we've ever seen when they come out on Saturday at 12.04 or whatever. But then you kick off and FSU will have something to say about who wins that game.
3: You know, I, I typically drive up to Clemson not knowing what to expect. I am I hope it's as good as, as as we will see the best version of both teams. Like we heard Mike Norvell kind of mention that to some extent. What does Clemson look like? Are they the team that laid an egg and, and had fumbles against Duke in the opener? Because you really can't take a whole lot away from Charleston Southern and, and Ford Atlantic. Those were lopsided, overmatched teams. Um, again, is this the wake-up call that, that Florida State needs? I, I think the noon game does take a lot out of the clemson death Valley mystique you wouldn't want this to be a seven or eight o'clock game from the Florida State standpoint, I don't think. Um, I honestly I expect this one to go down to the fourth quarter and to be a very, very entertaining ball game. And I, I think Florida State hasn't gotten over that hump these last two games. You know, again, had that lead in 2021, was in position to win that game with, with the Jermaine Johnson, you know, strips back and score. I, I do feel like this team feels confident about the opportunity they have to win this game. I think a lot of people around the country are still saying, well, is Florida State for real? Is Florida State capable of doing that? But in-house, I think they know they're capable. Well, and I think all of us collectively uh, are
2: concerned because we've not seen the 23 version necessarily. What happens if they get down by two scores? because they played with the lead uh, even in Boston college when they gave up the 19 unanswered, they were still up 21 when it started. And uh, how would they react? I think many of us are saying, let's, let's don't even go there. Let's don't get in that situation. Uh, but that's certainly something I think this stays in the back of our minds occasionally as well. Well, we seem to be uh, experiencing some continued technical uh, challenges as Tommy, uh, is now uh, lost. We'll ask him to dial back in. Um, you mentioned the 12 o'clock uh, kick. Um, you know, one of the things that, that was unusual about my group um, and, and, and when we were playing back in the day is because we would go into those hostile environments and we would want them to be as loud and raucous as they could be because our mentality was, let's make them quiet. Let's make them quiet. So uh, I'm I'm probably the outlier, Bob, uh, about the the noon kickoff versus the seven or eight o'clock. I'd rather have a seven or eight o'clock. It's a whole lot more fun to make them quiet when they're that raucous.
3: And I remember that 2013 trip. They were quiet in the third quarter because the Clemson fans had left, and and that was it was a bizarre scene that night. I don't think we're going to see anything quite like that. Um, the old man in me doesn't mind the noon games because. It's an easier trip down I eighty five to get back to dinner, and, and to get settled in for the night, for the night and watch some of those not good night games. Well, Bob, we appreciate your time. We wish you uh, safe travels as you travel to Clemson.
1: We'll step aside and be right back right here on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. We'll continue talking Florida State football, but we're
0: going to detour just a little bit and we'll come back and uh, get to Clemson and some of the history between FSU and Clemson. But Really pleased to have an old friend uh, join the program, longtime Seminole fans will remember Dave Roberts, a tight end at FSU in the late 80s and early 90s, and uh, all-around good guy. I think that's in the bio as well. How are you, Dave?
4: I'm doing great, Tom. Keith, great to see you guys.
0: Well, we appreciate it, and so now the listeners are saying, okay, I do remember Dave, but why is he on this week? And so let's cut to the punchline. Dave is one of the gentlemen involved in uh, the new restaurant that's opened down in College Town in uh, in Bowden, so... I'll stop there once you share the story of, uh, who's behind this and and how and why you guys decided to create a Bowden's right there. And as a side note, I think it's great. I've been there a couple of times already.
4: Yeah. Great. Thanks. I appreciate it. So, um, I was part of an ownership group of, uh, a prior restaurant that was located there, uh, called 10 Lizzie's and, um, the, the ownership group, uh, it's made up of myself, uh, a good friend, fraternity brother, longtime Noel, Mike Evertson, uh, another good friend, John McCann, and uh, several other other persons and entities are, are part of the ownership group. But um, I just kind of had an epiphany one day that, um, you know, may, we, we thought we might want to change the concept or do something else with the restaurant and uh, uh, just kind of popped in my mind one day, you know, we be really cool if we had something called Bowden's and uh, there's, you know, as, as meaningful as coach was to the university. And, and there's certainly uh, a lot of tributes to him uh, being part of this ownership group of this restaurant and, and, and going through possibly a concept change. Uh, it just, it just kind of popped in my mind one day, Hey, why don't we approach the family and, and see if they'd have any interest in doing this. And the whole idea was, um, not only to create a place where, uh, you know, students and fans and, and, and locals and visitors alike can, can go visit during various times, but try to do, a, try to do something that really was a tribute to coach Bowden. And that's, that's what we're doing. It's, it's a work in progress right now. We've got a grand opening coming up, uh, in October, October 14th, uh, we're open right now, but, um. We're fine tuning some things, and uh, we really wanted to be a tribute to Coach.
2: And Dave, you don't want this to be a game day only type of place. You want this to be a three sixty five place that uh, you know celebrates the legacy that is Coach Bowden.
4: Absolutely, Keith. So, in addition to the old uh, Tin Lizzie space, uh, the new. Uh, the new concept has taken over the old Madison 51 space uh, right there in College Town, which gave us access to the entire courtyard between the two buildings. So, to your point, Keith, we do want this to be a 365. One of the main things that I'm involved in in the in uh, kind of getting this thing up and running is we 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 feel like there needs to be a a really cool live music venue. Uh, down near the university. And so we're gonna, we're gonna utilize that courtyard. We're in the process of building a stage there, of uh, uh, securing a, a state-of-the-art PA system. And we're gonna have local and regional acts come through there. So it's gonna be a, a great live music venue. Uh, we want the students, uh, the, 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 the Greek community to be able to utilize it for socials. We want business people to be able to utilize it for lunch meetings. We want to make it all inclusive, something for everybody that can come there uh, throughout the course of the year and enjoy it. And and obviously, while we're doing that, um, we we we're making an effort to try to honor Coach Bowden. Now, game days, you know, it's it's going to be a, a football sports sports place, and uh, we encourage people to come down and visit us. But we do want to make it open to the community and and all inclusive, a friendly family atmosphere, but yet somewhere where uh, the students can come in the evenings and have a real good time and, and do the things that they do.
0: We're talking with Dave Roberts, former FSU tight end and one of the partners and uh, brains behind uh, Bowden's in College Town. I'll interject that, uh, you know, combining the two spaces you just referenced, that that courtyard, uh, it, it, on a zero to 10 scale, it's gone from a five to a 10, just like that. It's a great, great space, Dave. There are no question about it. And and the tribute to Coach, I mean, there's pictures all over the place, but the menu has several items there too. And I didn't realize apparently fried pickles were big with Coach because that's uh, yeah. that's dotted in a few spots on the menu. I wasn't aware of that.
4: You know, it's funny. I, I talked to um, I talked to Ginger Bowden and, and said, hey, we want to you know we want to make some creative fun menu items. And you know, what were some of Coach's favorite things? And she essentially told me Coach liked a lot of things. <laughs> he liked to eat. <laughs> Uh, so we've we've tried to include some things on the menu that uh, that have some catchy names and um, you know we've got some desserts we've got some some entrees um, we didn't want to make this place too terribly formal uh, we wanted it to have that college uh, that kind of college joint feel to it a little bit but then We've got nice stuff that's going to be on the menu. We've got salmon dishes. We, we've got some things, so we're trying to strike a really good balance and uh, come up with some things uh, on the menu items, such as uh, I think we've got a punt ruski pie, and 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 we've got a, you know, we've got dadgum chili. So we're we're, we're trying to uh, come up with some things that um, again, where people can hear it and and they'll they'll associate that with Coach Bowen.
2: Dave, the other thing you've got, because I saw it multiple times when I would be out at the house before coaches passing, is you got the golf cart. And yes. it, it it's going to be has been and is going to be a focal point where there's gonna be a lot of Seminole fans that are gonna to love to have their picture made while sitting in uh, Coach Bowden's golf cart.
4: Yeah, that is that is Coach Coach's uh golf cart. And um I I, I wanted to kind of stress the family has been just just incredible throughout this process. And uh, we were very genuine with with them when we approached them that, that we want this to be something that coach would be proud of. So they've, they've given us just an incredible amount of memorabilia to display there in the restaurant and, and the golf cart. My understanding is that was a gift um, to coach Bowden. I think on, I think on his 90th birthday, and when we were when we were uh, taking a look at all the memorabilia, it was just sitting there in his in his carport. And our our eyes—I uh, was with John McCann at the time—and one of my partners in my eyes kind of lit up and said, "Man, we need to put that thing, we need to put that thing front and center in the restaurant and let people take pictures of it." So yeah, we hope we hope that'll be something that uh, uh, you know people could come in and visit us and sit in the golf cart and take a picture and have a good time.
0: Dave Roberts, our guest, and uh, you you set us up with a perfect segue there. You said punt rooski pie, and it's it's punt rooski week, right, because Florida State's playing at Clemson, and uh, those who remember when Dave played will know he was on the team during the punt rooski game and was at Clemson that day. So uh, some historical uh, footnotes here, Dave. First of all, you knew that you'd been working on that play in practice, Did you know at that moment in time that the, that the fate, that the punt ruski had been called? Did everybody on the sideline know just kind of walk us through that as it unfolded?
4: Yeah. As I recall, uh, I mean, we worked on it a lot. Brad Scott was my position coach and um, um, you know, as, as I remember it, he was involved in calling the plays and we worked on that and, but we didn't run it the whole game. And then, I believe it was it was fourth down. I think we were around their 19 yard line, and um, I heard it called. I I was not on the actual play itself, but I heard it called and kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Like I think a lot of people do. I mean, who does that, right? Who who calls a fake punt in a situation like that? Except Coach Bowden, and it worked. And uh, Leroy Butler ran the ball down very close to the goal line, and then. uh, Richie Andrews came in and, and, and kicked the, um, the field goal to end up winning the game. I was on the field goal, so I did get to celebrate it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, um, it was a really cool thing. It's, a, you know, one of those things in college football history that that people start making top ten lists and things like that of the greatest fake plays of all time, uh, that's going to be out there. And I was, I was fortunate. I was young. I wasn't playing a whole lot uh, at that point in time, but I was there and, uh, as a sophomore and and was able to be part of it.
2: Dave, for those that that didn't have the privilege, you and I did to play for coach Bowden, they won't know that he had a bunch of trick plays Mm -hmm. and, and they got worked on occasionally during practice. So my question is, do you remember the first time when they were instructing the punt team all right, we're going to center the ball to an up back, and he's going to hand the ball to Butler between his legs. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing; it's one thing to run the reverse. Right, it's another thing to hand the ball backwards between legs. Do you remember that?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do, Keith. And um, um, I also remember, uh, and, and I watch this every now and then. I just, I just think it's so great. Uh, Coach Bowden gave a post game press conference on that game where he kind of demonstrated. He was using a chair. And he kind of demonstrated how the 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 play transpired and all that, and and it was it was really cool. Yeah, coach was coach had a had a a, a great understanding of the importance of those types of plays and how they work and how can they how they can change uh, you know football games and, and stuff. And uh, he was um, he was legendary in that regard. You know, I, I've been I've been coaching high school football here. Uh, over in Walton County, uh, going on my sixth year. And and uh, it, that rubbed off on me because we put an importance. Uh, I'm the offensive coordinator here. We put an importance on on having those uh, special plays that we can kind of pull out at times. But, yeah, seeing that and uh, you described it to somebody, and it, and it kind of sounds funny. But, man, it worked, didn't it? <laughs>
2: well, Coach Bowden demonstrated they- in that gold uh, – he had a gold rain suit on.
4: yes. Yes. You know, because
2: it was raining, that gold rain suit, and he reaches down and puts that ball between his legs and holds it. Um, that, not many head coaches will do that.
4: No, it was great. It was great. Hey, Dave, you
0: mentioned coaching in Walton County. I think you've been at South Walton the last few years. Now, when we talked last week, you told me you've run the punt, Rooski, but I didn't ask you the results. So uh, I wanted to hear how you implemented it and if it
4: worked. <laughs> well, we, we tried to um, – we, 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 I'll say we tried to run it. Um, I, we weren't as successful, um, as we were at Clemson, but it almost worked because if you recall, the whole idea was everybody would go to the right and then Leroy would sit there with the ball and wait for everybody to go to the right and then take off to the left almost by himself. Um, which, which was, um, uh, I've always, you know Leroy doing that that's got to be difficult to sit there and a bunch of Clemson guys are bearing down on you and hold the ball so we tried to run it didn't work out too well our guy our guy didn't have the patience to kind of sit there and and wait for everybody to run by
0: (laughs) all right (laughs) we'll leave it at that well who knows if a ruski will be involved this weekend but uh I know you follow the program closely and you're like most of us, you know, weren't, weren't too enamored with the performance last week, but we spin it forward. And what do you expect this week at Clemson? You know,
4: I, last week, I Boston college seems to play us tough up there all the time. And I, I used to get to go to, to all those games. Uh, and, uh, you know, they play a tough brand of football. So I, I was not as concerned with, with what happened last week Uh, you know we came off two games where we played just incredibly well and and that happens during during the course of a football season you may just not have your best game but um, you know we won the game against a pretty good football team and uh, to me that's what's important right Um, going into this week I uh, I was very I was very surprised that that we weren't we weren't uh uh favored a little bit more in this game I, I've, I've watched clemson play a little bit i've obviously watched all of our games and um i think coach norvell and the rest of the coaches have just really turned this thing around and and got us in a position i mean we're going up to clemson i think we're still favored favored um in the game not by much but we're going up there as favorites and um you know what a turnaround that is and and this is a big game for us you know it's it's not the end-all be-all no one game is in a season but if we're able to go up there and and, and play like we're supposed to play and 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 and, and up to our talent and potential uh, I think we're going to win the game and I think we're gonna we're gonna win it by a lot more than the odds makers say
0: And then we'll all go to Bowden's and celebrate, right? That's the game plan. That's
4: right. Watch party at Bowden's this weekend.
0: That's right. (laughs) Hey, Dave, we'll let you get running and get you uh, back to your your day life. And uh, good luck on the football field. Uh, Your son is playing, right, at at USF? Did I hear that?
4: He is. He's a a redshirt freshman at uh, University of South Florida, a receiver. He's a slot receiver. And uh, he signed – After the 22 season, Jeff Scott, who was uh, Brad Scott's son, actually was the head coach when he signed. And uh, so it's kind of really funny how that kind of came full circle. Uh, You know, I played for for Brad. Brad Scott recruited me and signed me and I played for him at Florida State. And uh, my son uh, signed with Jeff Scott and uh, unfortunately didn't work out for. For Jeff there, but uh the new staff there at USF. My my son loves them and uh, he's working hard and uh he he really likes it down there. It was a good fit for him at USF.
2: And I'm suspecting well, son is a little faster than dad. That always works. He is out that he's, way, a, doesn't he's,
4: it? <laughs> he's a different cat. You know, he uh he uh, his senior year, he broke the all-time reception record in high school football in the state of Florida. He ended up with uh over 260 career reception. So he's a lot faster than me. Um, he's a different, different guy. He's a he's a smaller 5'11 and a half guy, but uh, very proud of him, had a great high school career, really loves it down at USF. And and they got they're doing some really good things down there turning that program around. So um, I kind of wear two hats now, you know. So uh, sometimes I'm in the green and gold, sometimes I'm in the garden and gold.
0: Well, certainly understandable. Enjoy, enjoy being a dad, and uh, thanks for what you're doing with Bowdens, and thanks for joining us today. It's good to catch up.
4: Yeah, thank you guys, and I appreciate it. And uh, we we invite everybody to come out and have a good time. Like I said, grand opening is going to be October the fourteenth for the Syracuse game. I think that's in conjunction with the celebration of the national championship team, and and we're uh, we're we're making tweaks, and 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 uh, you know getting the place where we want to be, but we're open and, and uh, encourage everybody to come down and, and, and take a look at what we have to offer.
0: Awesome. Dave Roberts. Thanks again. We'll take a break. Come back with more front row knolls right after this.
1: Front row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way and by the Earl Bacon agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith
0: back on front Row Knowles, just a few minutes to to clean things up wrap things up appreciate Dave Roberts joining us son is is faster than dad and uh, you know we're going to get to see that next year maybe when Camden Fryer gets here to see if he's faster than his dad Matt Fryer uh, who was quite the receiver and not too not too slow in his day either
2: but no, uh, that, no. that's down the but last time Go I ahead. saw Matt I was teasing him about that cuz both of us have, have lost a few steps along the way Matt was always faster than me so so, Matt, stay off of the, the Twitter and the tweet and the email. I'm acknowledging you were always faster than me, but we both are pretty slow now.
0: <laughs> well, nobody's going to argue with that. All right, Keith, what do you expect uh, this weekend up at Clemson?
2: I expect this team to come out on fire. Uh, I, I will be really disappointed if this team doesn't come out and, uh, and exhibit that edge that uh, Coach Norvell has talked about. I mean, the more, the more the kids look at the tape and the more they think about their performance, you're up 31-10 and, and you're in the third quarter and you let a team score 19 points unanswered and, and, and come just that close to whipping you and some would say should have whipped you. Uh, if you don't come out on edge and, and play your best ball game year to date, uh, then this is a very good football team, but it is not a great football team. Uh, this is a big step in um, in justifying that top five ranking. So I expect them to come out and play very well.
0: You know, it just hit me, Keith, the LSU game. We commented at the time, that last touchdown where Jaheim Bell trucks a guy on his way into the end zone, Florida State could have taken a knee and not scored that touchdown but we both loved the fact that they didn't because they needed that mentality, and that might be part of Mike Norvell's frustration is he, he's trying to build that and thought it was there, and then lo and behold, at 31-10, it was nowhere to be found. So, uh, you know, you could get a 61-10 to lead at Clemson, and you still wouldn't think it's over, right? So they're not going to have that issue this week, but you need that mentality is the thing that Norvell wants.
2: And again, when you get up early – Uh, and I mentioned this previously, it's old-fashioned, it's old school, but when you get up early and that crowd is silent, that crowd is quiet. See, see, when you're playing on the field, you don't hear what's said. You feel the, the pressure of the noise. So when you're at home, you know that noise is positive. When you're on the road and you feel that pressure, you know it's negative. You want to get rid of that type of influence. So when you can silence that crowd, and you can hear the Chiefs, and you can hear your contingent of fans. That There's no better feeling. There is no better feeling on a football field, in my opinion.
0: Right on cue, as you're talking about noise, my dog went nuts. Keith, it was like the artificial sound coming in that you play at practice there. We, uh, rehearsed just trying to get me through. we rehearsed
2: that. We rehearsed that.
0: Exactly. So we're out of time, and uh, my dog's about to make more artificial noise here. Uh, but we'll do this again next week. We'll catch up afterwards, folks. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the Clemson game. Thanks as always, KJ, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. This is Front Row Knowles.